Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello everyone and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. And this is our Melbourne Cup special, our last episode for 2022. And today we will be decoding all things Melbourne Cup. My name is Fiona Blair and I am joined by my co-host, form analyst Grace Ramage. Hello Grace, how are you going? Hi, Fee. I'm going exceptionally well because it is Melbourne Cup time. It's Melbourne Cup week. And that means that in Melbourne, everybody is focused on horse racing. I mean, you've got the parade on the Monday afternoon through the the city, the CBD um, of the Melbourne Cup contenders. And, you know, Melbourne Cup Day is a public holiday fee. So it is just a really happy time of year. And in terms of racing, and especially for racing people, it doesn't get much bigger than this time of year. This is the pinnacle. And I cannot wait to decode the topic of the Melbourne Cup on this huge episode. It's called the race that stops a nation, Grace. So what is it about the Melbourne Cup? Like this is the race that some people, it's the only race they'll bet on all year. Workplaces are doing sweepstakes everywhere. Like why is this the race that we all rally around? Yeah, you're right, Fee. You know, this is the one that you might never have watched any horse racing ever, but you'll turn it on on the TV at three o'clock to tune in to see who wins the Melbourne Cup. And I suppose the the reason for why that is, is that it's the way it's always been. So the first Melbourne Cup was held in 1861 and it's just always been the most popular race. It's been the biggest race. It's been the race that's attracted the biggest crowd. It's garnered the most media attention. And then that tradition has just literally carried on through the decades and for over 160 years now. So we've obviously got the public holiday, which instills, you know, the the reputation that it's Melbourne Cup Day long weekend. So already people are thinking about it. But the other aspect of why people back in the day and still love this race is for a few different reasons. And that the first one is 24 horses take their place in the field. That's quite rare these days. I know... Um, you know, obviously back in the in the 1800s and in the early 1900s, it would have been a lot more common. But, um, you know, over the past few decades, 24 horses in a race, that's a very big field. And what that means is that it is extremely difficult to win. So each and every year when we've got our final field, our Melbourne Cup field assembled, it becomes one of those things where the winner of the race, the winning horse, of course, the winning trainer, the winning jockey, the winning connections, the winning story becomes folklore, but not just within racing, but within the broader, you know, sporting Australian community. So, you know, they get legendary status for for winning this one race because it is so difficult to win. You need all the luck. You need the right horse. You need the right rider. You need the right training and preparation, and you need a whole lot of luck. So I think that's why, you know, you look back at some of the winners. Farlaps won the race. You know, he's Australia's most famous horse um, from a historical point of view. But there have been some absolute champions that have won this race. Maccabi Diva won it three times. That's when she, that famous race call when uh, Greg Miles said a champion becomes a legend after she won her third Melbourne Cup. And you know, we even see Michelle Payne aboard Prince of Penzance winning the first female rider, and that's now a movie. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps. You just recalling all of these stories, Grace. Like it's so true. It's just such fascinating stories. And wasn't it fantastic when Very Elegant took it out last year? Yeah, and I suppose something else, Fee, is that when you really think about the crux of the Melbourne Cup, and I suppose back then as it is now is that the 24 horses are not necessarily the best horses in Australia 
this race is so special and unique in a sense that it is for staying horses. It's over a staying distance of two miles, 3,200 metres. When we've spoken a lot about our best horses recently over the weeks with this podcast, you know, the likes of Animo, I'm Thunderstruck, um, you know, Alligator Blood, Zaki. Then on the sprinting racks, you've got Nature Strip, obviously, and horses like Giga Kick. None of them are in the Melbourne Cup. And the reason for that is that they don't race over this distance. This distance is a real specialist's trip, the two miles, the 3,200 metres. We don't race at this distance often in Australia, only a handful of races every year at this distance. So then you go to think, well, we've got a race that everyone talks about and everyone watches and it stops the nation, but it doesn't even feature our best horses. But that's also what makes it so special because, again, you've got a whole new group of horses that have been targeted to this race and basically nothing else. So this is what it all comes down to for these specialist type of horses. And, you know, the other thing about the Melbourne Cup is that it is raced under handicap conditions. So when we go through our runner by runner, you'll see lots of horses have got in with a very, very light weight. And that's because, as we know, handicap conditions relate to your horse's rating. So they are less exposed. They've won less races. They haven't achieved as much as those with a higher weight in the race but that's that's part of the beauty of the melbourne cup because if you can sneak in with a very good horse on a lightweight you've got a huge advantage so it's all of these these tactical things and the work and the effort and the love that goes into trying to win a melbourne cup that's what makes it so special when somebody ultimately does each and every year yeah it's all about the stories and i've put together some fun facts for our listeners today i like to think of it as great sort of water cooler chat for your melbourne cup week at work because yeah some of the stats that have happened over the years 161 years this, this race has been running are just so interesting so you've touched on a few of them grace let's get into some more so started running in 1861 the first ever melbourne cup most wins by a horse, Maccabi Diva, winning it three years in a row, which is just unreal. You've talked about how difficult this race is to win, and to win it three years in a row is just, yeah, sort of unbelievable almost. Most wins by a jockey, Bobby Lewis, who won it four times in the early 1900s. More recently, we've had Glenn Boss, Kieran McAvoy, and Damien Oliver who have won it all three times and the, the latter two are, are in again this Tuesday. So they could be matching Bobby Lewis. Who knows? Most wins by a trainer, of course, Bart Cummings, who won it 12 times. He was a real Melbourne Cup specialist trainer. And to give that more context, the, the trainers to get as close as possible to him had only won it five times. So yeah, he, wow. was, he was an absolute legend with the Melbourne Cup. All right, here, here are some interesting ones. Heaviest weight carried by a winner. Carbine in 1890 with 66 kilos. Let's compare <laughs> that. The top weight this year is 57 and a half. So that's considerably more weight. And the, the highest weight of all time was Farlap with 68 kilos at where he ran eighth. A huge weight, huge weight. <laughs> And then on the other side of the coin, we have the lightest weight ever carried by a winner, which was Banker in 1863 with 34 kilos. Who rode that horse? Honestly, <laughs> they would have had a kid I'm on board. Thinking, like, that's yeah, so it must have a 14-year-old or something. I mean, that's just unbelievable, isn't it? That is absolutely fascinating. Obviously, racing's changed. We would never, ever go as light a weight as that. But you know what, Fee? We did see Dean Holland ride. Uh, in the Group 1 Empire Rose Stakes on Derby Day with 49 kilos. Like, that's still pretty light. Yeah, that is very light. And just, to, again, to show how times have changed, the youngest jockey to win was Peter St. Albans on Briseis in 1876, and he was 12 years old, a 12-year-old, oh, winning the mountain. Things goodness. have changed, haven't they? Haven't we progressed? <laughs> That's absolutely amazing that you've gone and got all those stats, though, because, you know, that's all part of the history and the tradition of this race. So it's so funny to listen back to seeing, you know, what it was like and, and what it's really changed into now. Yeah, it's certainly um, a much more professional outfit now, isn't it? Like it really is one of the great sporting challenges on the calendar internationally. 
And mm-hmm. I think that's also such a big reason why we love to watch it every year. It is one of the major sporting events internationally on the calendar. And it is, like you said, I think it's, it's so hard to win. It's like, you know, one of the greatest physical tests for horse and rider, you know, and trainer to get yeah. them to the point where they can win. So the challenge is just enormous. And you mentioned a word fee, which is international, because that's another really exciting chapter that we've seen over the last 30 years this race obviously since back when a 12 year old was winning it with 32 (laughs) kilos has changed a lot but what we've seen since 1933 which was the first ever internationally trained prepared horse was brought over to Australia to Melbourne to compete solely in this race ever since then and and that was vintage crop and he won that day for Dermot Weld from Ireland since then there has been an international contingent racing in the Melbourne Cup each and every year. It is a target race for either Japanese or French or English or Irish. All over the world, they will circle horse trainers, the Melbourne Cup, and say, what can we take to Melbourne to compete in this race this year? Because now especially, and over the past few decades, the the prize money has become so huge that not only is it for the prestige to be able to travel your horse and win an international race that has got as much bang to it as a Melbourne Cup, but you now can go and and, and bring your horse here and try and pick up the amazing prize money as well. So the international presence of the Melbourne Cup has been fascinating because what it means that is that not only is it a race that stops the nation here, but there will be people tuning in from Europe and the UK this year to see how each of their five horses go in the Melbourne Cup because we've got the five Raiders that we'll get to in a moment's time. Yeah, and I think it's an important part to sort of explain probably to our listeners is that staying races are a lot more popular over in the UK and Europe and even New Zealand. Australia, not so much. Like you said, this sort of distance is only run a handful of times every year. So the internationals come over for this race because they've – got a genuine good chance like they breed more staying types over there they train for staying races over there whereas in Australia the focus has shifted over time towards more of a sprinting miler horse (laughs) internationally the racing community is still uh, much more invested in these staying races and and that's why they come over because they've got a genuine chance in this 3200 meter contest and it is so exciting well let's move on to our form now So Melbourne Cup form, Grace, what are the tactics looking at Melbourne Cup form? So I suppose what is the first thing, Fee, that differs from a lot of other races is that you're going to need a whole lot of luck regardless. So you can put all the work as you'd like into this race. But when you've got 24 horses racing around the track for 3,200 metres, there's bound to be a whole lot of unlucky moments you know your horse might be needing to to get that gap but it doesn't come or you shuffled too far back and you had a great position and now you don't have a great position you know your horse might be sort of posted out deep there and and doesn't get the most conservative run which doesn't help his chances uh you know in the concluding stages so with with the na- the nature of such a big field means that it's extremely hard to predict with confidence. So I'm just going to put that out there. If you absolutely get nowhere near it in the Melbourne Cup, that's totally cool because that's generally how most people are. And that's why sometimes you see people go, that's why sometimes you see people go and have more success with a mystery trifecta down at their local tab. They haven't even looked. They're just getting the tab to sort of work it out for them and then um, that that can sometimes be the way to go as well which is also a lot of fun so we need a lot of luck and it's really difficult to try and work out what's happening it's really difficult to try and predict the winner of the Melbourne Cup but what you generally are looking for is the capacity to stay that's the first one so you've got to be going through your horses and the form guides and making sure that you think that your horse can stay the trip for 3,200 metres because we don't want a horse that had his last start over 2,000 or 2,400 metres but wasn't strong at the end of that trip. You know, we want horses that were charging to and through the line. And the way that we can pick that up is in our form, guys, as we've mentioned, you can always see 
the di- the position in running uh, within that form guide, which will tell you where they were. And we want them to be improving their position as they get closer to the line. You can also see that by watching replays. So that's one of the main things. You need a horse that is going to be able to see out strongly the two miles. And then it all becomes a question of class because under the handicap conditions of the race and how we've got the best horse with the highest weight and what is perceived to be the worst horse at the lowest weight, even though some, even though that might just be because we haven't seen the best of that horse yet, you've got to work out along that weight scale which is the best horse relative to the weight that they've got. So um, that that's sort of the way that you go about doing your Melbourne Cup form. This year it's a little bit different as well, Fee, because it looks like we're going to be on a really rain-affected track, which I'm not happy about. Mm. The weather has just been playing havoc this whole spring and I'm really frustrated about it. <laughs> but it does mean that we're probably looking for wet trackers as well if if you have a horse that doesn't seem to handle wet ground, soft, heavy ground, then um, they're probably not going to be able to bring their best on Tuesday. Twenty-four horses to get through today, so that's a lot. So we're going to have to keep it pretty brief on each of them. So let's just go through the ticks that each of these horses are giving us i'll give you the pros and the cons fee in as most concise form as i can but think of it as a sweepstakes guide to the melbourne cup because no doubt uh, if you pull out a name from a hat in your sweepstakes um you might want to know genuinely whether you've got that chance to be taking home the kitty at the end well make sure you listen in because this is hopefully where we'll be able to provide some insight into each and every runner yeah the sweepstakes sometimes is the best way to have a have a bet in the Melbourne Cup, I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, well, let's start with our first horse, number one, Gold Trip. We, we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago leading into the Caulfield Cup, and we were a little bit unsure whether he'd be backing up into the Melbourne Cup because he has backed up three weeks in a row. He's gone the Caulfield Cup on the 15th of October. Then he went to the Cox Plate a week later. And 10 days later, he's now in the biggest race in Australia. We didn't think it was going to be that likely he'd be here, Grace. So now he is here. What do you think? This is the thing, Fee. So this is such a traditional, old-fashioned lead up to a Melbourne Cup. When we're talking about that 32-kilo 12-year-old jockey, this is what they were doing. They were running horses on a weekly basis. They were getting the miles in their horses' legs to then be so fit when it comes to Melbourne Cup Day. They could almost run three of them, these horses. They were so fit. They had great aerobic capacity and, um, you know, they were just amazing stamina horses. This is what Kiramar and David Eustace have done with Gold Trip. They have run him in all the big races this spring carnival he comes in here having already contested in in five races this preparation in total so yes at so so originally i did think that maybe he wouldn't necessarily get to the melbourne cup like they wouldn't they wouldn't go again with him but now it all makes sense of course mm-hmm. they have this has been their intention the whole time to get the miles in his, le- in his legs the other thing about gold trip not only is he hard fit for his grand final now the melbourne cup but he also has got an element of class this horse yes he carries the top weight of 57 and a half kilos so that's sort of a given but you know, we go back a few preparations ago. This horse was imported to Australia uh, to race for Australian Connections um, earlier on in this year. This time, two years ago, this horse ran fourth in a Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, which is the best race in the world. This horse ran fourth in that race. So he does have an element of class about him that now if everything's aligning, we can definitely see, see him running a great race. Top weights in a Melbourne Cup do not have a good winning record because over 3,200 metres, literally every ounce counts. But the way that this field has shaped up, I genuinely think Gold Trip has got a great chance because the other thing is he loves wet tracks. Mm. So there's a lot going for the for Gold Trip when it comes to this year's Melbourne Cup. Okay, let's move on now to number two, Jewess, the high-class mare who takes her place by Seamus Award. What do we think about her, Grace? So she's one of two mares in the race that genuinely have earned their weight, 55 and a half kilos, because 
She is a three-time Group 1 winner. And all of those Group 1 wins have been over staying distances, 2,400 metres, 2,000 metres. We know she's an out-and-out stayer. She is by Seamus Award, which is a staying stallion here in Australia. So a lot of ticks from that perspective. Never seen 3,200, but it should suit her to a T. I think she's got a chance. I think she was good in the Caulfield Cup last start. I actually prefer a horse we're going to speak of in just a moment's time more than her, and they are very similar. But Barrier 10 is great for Jewess. Hugh Bowman is a fantastic jockey. So if you pull Jewess out in your sweepstakes or you're keen on her chances, I really can't talk you out of her. It's just ultimately who fills your top four, and she hasn't filled mine. And now we move on to number three, Knight's Order, a really interesting horse. What I wanted to note about this horse is that he's actually won over this distance twice in his career. So that's a really um, impressive statistic. A lot of horses in this field haven't even seen this trip before, and he's won twice. Last time he won over 3,200 metres, that was in the Group 1 Sydney Cup on a heavy 10. So it was one yes. over distance on a heavy track. Lots of pluses. For those who have watched Knight's Order Run before, we know that he likes to be uh, on, on pace in front. But he's going to struggle to do that, Grace, isn't he? Because he has drawn number 24, the outside barrier. What What is he going to do on Tuesday? Yes, he's drawn the outside barrier and you never want to be pulling out barrier 24. But I will say with Knight's order, I mean, he's going to go forward. There's no doubt about that. The famous Flemington Strait, which you would all know, that's actually where they start the Melbourne Cup. So you've got 1,200 metres run into the first bend, which is a whole lot of time, 1.2 kilometres to try and find your position. So expect Tim Clark and Knight's order to still roll forward, um, but they can do it at their own pace. They can just leisurely sort of get there, and once they get there, hope to get across and not have to do too much work. Um, So I still think he's going to go forward. He's exactly as you say. He's got the runs on the board under the exact same conditions as we're going to get on Tuesday. So he's definitely ticking a lot of boxes from that perspective. And that Sydney Cup win was only back in April of this year. So he is in good form. This preparation he won first up, that was over 1,600 metres, again on a heavy 10. And then since then, he's been leading, but not necessarily going at a breakneck speed. He's sort of just been waltzing along and just like going along at a slow tempo. And then in the concluding stages, he gets out sprinted. Horses that have got a sharper turn of speed than him have been zooming past him over the last 400 metres. But again, it's all about building miles in this horse's legs to be able to now get to the Melbourne Cup, which it will be his grand final. And I expect that they might roll a bit quicker because with these horses that are bred to stay they're not bred for speed so they want to be going along at a rolling gallop rather than sitting and turning it into a to, into a dash home so Knight's Order will be suited by that if they ride him to bowl then that's what they'll do and as you're going and looking through Knight's Order's form you'll see that everything that's not on a soft or heavy track is just not being flash every time he gets on a heavy track he excels so he has got a great winning chance in the Melbourne Cup this year. Okay, now we are on to number four, Montefilia Amir by Kermadec, trained by David Payne with Jason Kalita Borden, 55 and a half kilos. What do you like about this mare, Grace? I like a lot about her fee. I really like this mare because her run in the Caulfield Cup, I mentioned when we were talking about Jewess, this is the one that was enormous in the Caulfield Cup. It was yeah. the perfect eye-catching Melbourne Cup lead-up run Mm. in the 2,400-metre Caulfield Cup. And what I also really like about her is then going into the Caulfield Cup last start, I was sort of like, I don't know where this horse is at. I'm not really sure how she's going. She's, you know, running third and fourth. Is she actually, you know, where she headed this preparation? Then she did that in the Caulfield Cup and I was like, right, I now see where she's headed. She's (laughs) definitely going well. She will be absolutely peaking come the first Tuesday in November. And that's exactly what's happened. She's clearly under the radar because they're they're targeting this race. And yeah, it was just a fantastic flashing run in the Caulfield Cup to suggest the step up in distance, which should be no problem. She's got form around the right horses. You know, she beat very elegant last preparation. So back in March of this year, she's a four-time group one winner. Like she certainly is is a good horse. No fluke about some of her performances. She's now fourth up hitting her target race. 
barrier 11, perfect, somewhere midfield, hopefully doing no early work. I think she's got a great winning chance fee. Yeah, and a bit of heavy track form as well. Six runs on the heavy with two wins and two thirds. So that's also really encouraging for Tuesday. All right, straight on to number five, Numerian, the Annabelle Nisham trained gelding. He is jumping from barrier seven. Grace, what do we like about him? Also coming through the Caulfield Cup. So the thing about Numerian, and and this is probably the first of the horses that I'm going to be saying, I just don't think he can win. And the reason is, is that in the Caulfield Cup last start, I actually really liked his winning chances in that race. I thought that he had a great chance. He sits on speed. I thought that the 2,400 metres of the Caulfield Cup would be perfect for him. But he was really disappointing, I think. I mean, he was only beaten just – it was only beaten about a length. But for, for the run that he had, I feel as though if he was a genuine Melbourne Cup chance, he would have probably won the Caulfield Cup. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't go very hard in front. He sat on speed and he got – he got bloused late and he does have more speed in him than a horse like Knight's Order, who um, we've already mentioned as well. So he was disappointing last night for mine. I just don't think that the step up to the 3,200 metres is necessarily in his favour. So he's probably one that I'm just not necessarily considering to be a winning chance in the Melbourne Cup. Now we are up to our first international, number six without a fight, who is coming over from Newmarket. What do we know about him, Grace, the first of our internationals? Yeah, so there are five horses that have come from different countries this year to take their place in the Melbourne Cup. Um, Some of them are now trained by local trainers after they've been in quarantine. They've sort of been under the care of some trainers here in Victoria, but this one is still under the care of his trainers from Newmarket in England, which is the racehorse capital of the world. Simon and Ed Crisford are this horse's trainers. His name is Without a Fight. Obviously, it's very hard to try and line up these international horses each and every year, but you can go off you know, what you've seen them do in the past. Without a Fight is a very experienced horse. He's had 17 starts. He's a six-year-old. And he's sort of been there, done that. Like we know the level that he's at. We know what he produces on a consistent basis. And that's good enough for a race like this. There's no doubt about it. You know, two starts ago, he was a winner uh, in a group three race over 2,800 metres. So definitely checking the box of staying the distance. And he has also travelled internationally before. and He mm-hmm. went to Dubai back in March of this year to race and he produced some good runs on that occasion as well. So he's also travelled and he's performed, which is another huge aspect when it comes to internationals. Without a Fight definitely comes here with, with a really good chance. William Buick is his rider who is a renowned international jockey. He comes from England as well. Barrier 18 is... A little bit tricky for this horse because he does like to sit on speed, but he probably won't lead necessarily. So if they go forward, um, will they get in somewhere? You know, will they get a comfy run? That's the question. But he's definitely got enough class to be right in the finish here. Definitely, without a fight, has got a great winning chance. Yeah, and by Tiafilo, a stallion who has side two Melbourne Cup winners in the past as well. So breeding's on his side as well. Now we move on to number seven, Kamora, who comes over from Ireland. He is another international, but as you said, has taken on some local trainers, Ben and JD Hayes for Lindsay Park. What do we know about Kamora, Grace? So Kamora was trained by an Irish trainer called Jill Lyons um, up until, you know, only recently when the horse was transferred into the to the training name of Ben and JD Hayes and Ben Mellum, a local jockey as well, is taking the ride on Kamora. So he's travelled over really well. He's eating really well. He's bright and happy out in his quarantine facility at Werribee. So all reports are that the horse is in fantastic order, which is excellent. Kamora won the Curra Cup, which is a big group two race over 2,800 metres in Ireland two starts ago. But then last start, he was very disappointing in the Irish St. Ledger. Uh, which is a group one and clearly it was a good race this year but on wet ground he was essentially eased out of the race you know he was beaten 20 lengths ultimately so that was on wet ground which concerns me because we're going to have wet ground on Tuesday so that's the one thing about Kimura he's a very nice horse I just don't know if he's going to get conditions to suit I'd prefer him on good ground okay and off to number eight Dover legend, another international with a trainer from Newmarket, James Ferguson. 
He has three-time Melbourne Cup winning jockey Kieran McAvoy aboard, looking to equal Bobby Lewis's record of four Melbourne Cup wins in this race. How do we think he's shaping up, Grace? Well, Doville legend is the current favourite for the Melbourne Cup and no surprise to see the internationals, generally most of them are right there at the top of betting, but this one has cleared out as favourite. We've spoken a lot about how it's all about, you know, seeing what the horse has done, seeing whether the horse has already ticked the distance box. Will the horse stay? Let's check the form guide. Will the horse handle the wet ground? Let's check the form guide. With a horse like Doville legend, this is the first of the examples of Get our crystal ball out and see what it tells us because it's all about the potential with a horse like this. And when we get to some of those also at the bottom, we'll talk about it again. It doesn't matter what he's done. It's about how he continues to improve every start back in the UK and how clearly they have targeted this race as the grand final to come to Australia, to come to Melbourne, sort of building each time as he goes to get here and show the best that he has to date. So he's only had seven starts, and he's a Northern Hemisphere three-year-old. That is an important aspect because it's a great profile for Melbourne Cup winners. Mm -hmm. These Northern Hemisphere three-year-olds with a handful of starts clearly got oodles of ability, but we haven't necessarily seen their best on the racetrack yet. They come out here, they show their best, and take all of our prize money back to England. So we can see that last start, Doville Legend, he won a race called the Great Voltager back in England, which is another great race that UK horses generally use to come uh, to the Melbourne Cup as a lead-up race. And he won it convincingly. He's got so much potential. We still haven't seen the best of him. And everybody is expecting that uh, the whole reason that he's here is to sort of go to that next level in the Melbourne Cup. And if he does do that, I think it's safe to say that he is the most likely winner of this race. Now we go to the first of the Kiwi Breds. The Kiwi Breds have had a lot of success in the Melbourne Cup. Number nine, Stockman, a horse by Tavistock. His most recent win was in the St. Ledger over 2,600 metres on the 15th of October, which is quite encouraging. And he looks to have good wet track form, Grace. What do you think about him? He's an interesting one. He's probably in that band for mine that might be able to run sort of top 12 let's say like the first half of the field but I'm not necessarily saying that he can win the race he actually raced on Saturday so he's on a four-day backup he ran in the Rose Hill Gold Cup he won the St. Ledger of the start prior as you said so in the Rose Hill Gold Cup on Saturday he went way back to last and just had a, a little bit of a pipe opener sort of a run hitting the line nicely which was the, the right sort of race to then go and back up four days later in a Melbourne Cup. So um, you can see what they're doing. The class factor for mine is probably what's missing with Stockman. He's a great stayer and he loves wet tracks, so he'll stay all day as often the Kiwi breads do. But it's just whether he's got enough class to hold off some of those nice horses in this race. And Barrier 2 is no spoil for this horse because he always does get a long way back. So I think he, he might be uh, a fair way back and buried from that low draw. Mm-hmm. And now we move on to number 10, Vow and Declare, the winner of the 2019 Melbourne Cup a few years ago. Now he seems to be coming back into some form, this prep grace with trained under Danny O'Brien with Blake Shin aboard on Tuesday. Yes. Yeah, so it's another one, you know, you don't often see horses win more than one Melbourne Cup. So if Val and Declare was to win this race on Tuesday, that would be his second Melbourne Cup victory. And that would certainly add him to the history books in that respect. He won the race in 2019 and he'd be at, and he'd been absolutely flying leading into that. And I think he is back in good order this preparation as well. But with 54 kilos, that's a nice weight for Val and Declare, given that he's already won a Melbourne Cup. But I just think that the, the task of winning two Melbourne Cups is so hard. Like, it's so mm. hard for horses to do it. It would be remarkable if he did, but it's just not among my thoughts for the winner of this race. Okay, now moving on to number 11, Young Werther, another horse by Tavistock, trained again by Danny O'Brien with Damien Lane aboard. What do we like about this gelding? Well, I suppose he might be in the same bracket as Doville Legend as when I said we haven't necessarily seen his best yet. Like he might go to the next level now in his grand final race on Tuesday. 
But to be honest, Fee, I have been a little bit underwhelmed from what we've seen from Young Werther so far this preparation. And he's only ever won one race, and that was his maiden on debut. Yeah. So I just feel like it would be some sort of a shock for me if he was to win the Melbourne Cup this year. And moving right along to number 12, Hu Yamal, trained by Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott, but has come over from the UK, one of the internationals at Werribee. He has Craig Williams aboard, a four-year-old bay horse, so an entire. What do we like about him, Grace? Well, he's an international that's been purchased by Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott actually overseas deliberately to come down to Melbourne to run in this race. We like that Craig Williams, the jockey, is on fire at the moment he's just winning everything mm. he's going so well so he's a, he's a jockey in form which is great uh who is another one that probably goes forward from barrier 15 hopefully he can get a spot without having to do too much early work so he's still strong at the concluding stages but similarly to kimura who we spoke about earlier this horse was not flash over this horse was not flash in his most recent start, which was on really rain-affected going. So I feel like for Hu Yamal, his winning chances would be much greater on a good track and the fact that we might be on a heavy track, uh, it just sort of dampens my enthusiasm for his winning chances. Now on to number 13, Serpentine, trained by Robert Hickmott. Uh, ran second just this weekend, Grace, in the Group 3 Arch Stakes over 2,500 metres on the quick backup. How are his chances looking? Interesting horse because he actually won an Epsom Derby, which is in England, sort of their great race. It's for three-year-olds. It's so much prestige when it comes to an Epsom Derby win. And this horse actually did it, and that was under the care of Aidan O'Brien going back a few years. Since he's come out uh, to Australia, and I suppose post that Epsom Derby win, though, his form has been a little bit lacklustre. He's never captured that again really and this preparation you know he's he's been finishing closer to the rear of the field than he has to to the front which has been um you know not ideal obviously but then he goes and he runs second in the lexus archer after leading last saturday so you're right he's on the four-day backup here which was definitely encouraging he likes to go along at a genuine tempo so from barry 23 along with knight's order in 24 expect both of these horses to cut across from the two widest barriers and take up the running here these are the leaders without a doubt if serpentine goes through and you know just goes along at a nice steady tempo he might have the stamina that's required i think there's no doubt about that but it's whether or not he has the class of some of the others as well and we haven't seen him on a heavy track, to be honest. So that might be against him as well. Now we move on to number 14, Dashian Sweet Jr. Uh, he is a winner over the 3,200 metres, which I thought was encouraging. Last year, he won the Group 2 Adelaide Cup. How do you think he's shaping up, Grace? And that's a great point, Fee, because he definitely will stay all day. So the Adelaide Cup win, then he went up to Sydney and he was beaten by Knight's Order, who's also in the race, in that heavy 10 Sydney Cup that we've already mentioned. Um, but he only ran third there, Dashian and Sweet Junior, so it was still a good effort. This horse, you know, he was beaten by Knight's Order there. Um, he's sort of been beaten by some of his other some of the other horses well and truly that he met that he meets again on Tuesday, this preparation. So it's probably again whether he is good enough, you know, like he's been beaten consistently by by these horses. So can he turn the tables? Not sure, but what is in his favour is definitely the 3,200 metres on a wet track should be no concern at all. Okay, now on to number fifth, Grand Promenade, trained by Kiramara and Dave Eustace with Harry Coffey aboard from Barrier 1. Ran six in the cup last year, Grace. What do you think? Can he beat that this year? Hmm, I'm not certain, Fee. I'm just not certain. So Kiramara and David Eustace, we've already spoken about Gold Trip. They've actually got five runners in the race this year, so five of the 20, 24 horses, which is quite interesting. But Grand Promenade, I just, I'm just i not convinced that he's going as well as he was this time last year when he ran sixth in the Melbourne Cup. Um, he's only had the four runs this preparation. So, again, um, does he sort of have those miles in his legs? I'm not convinced. 
off what I've seen, I just don't think he's a winning chance. But Kiramar and David Eustace are exceptional when it comes to conditioning staying horses. So they might have done plenty of work with him back home. He might be cherry ripe, but you can only go on what you know. And that is, I don't think Grand Promenade is a winning chance. Now on to number 16, Arapaho, a French-bred gelding trained by Bjorn Baker up in Sydney with Rachel King aboard, Barrier 19. Uh, second to the Stockman and the St. Ledger three weeks ago, Grayson, looks to have good, soft and sort of heavy track form. What do you like about his chances? Well, we know Arapaho's mark now because he's been, um, you know, he's had plenty of starts and he's got some okay form. Like he's he's not been far away for, from some horses like Durston, who won the Caulfield Cup a couple of starts ago. He beat home Francesco Gardi five starts ago, who then came. It was so impressive in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup on Saturday. So he's got interesting form lines that tie him into to you know being considered a winning chance here. I like that he is hard fit. Like he's been racing consistently all through the winter, which when it comes to, you know, being fit enough to to, set, to see out the 3,200 metres, that's definitely a big tick. But in a similar style to Stockman, it just comes down to whether he's got that class factor. And I'd just be tending to think that others might be just a touch better than him over the concluding stages. Now on to number 17, Emissary. He was an impressive winner he was an impressive winner in the in the Geelong Cup two weeks ago. I thought he had plenty in hand when he hit the line, but might lack the heavy track form, Grace. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, heavy track isn't great for Emissary, but I think with this horse, he's only relatively lightly raced and he's only had some pretty soft campaigns throughout his racing career. I feel like he could be one that we haven't yet seen the best of. He's also quite hit and miss, like he's very inconsistent, which also suggests that he's still learning what it's all about and, you know, he still quite hasn't put it all together yet. If he was to put it all together and go to the next level, he could be right in the finish here, I think. Emissary is a, a rough chance in the race when you look at the betting, but it, it, he's one that actually wouldn't surprise me if he was right there with 51.5 kilos, but you've got to just sort of take it on trust a bit. The heavy track form might be a slight concern. I just don't know. I don't feel like we've seen enough of Emissary yet to suggest that he's not good enough to win a Melbourne Cup. Okay, now on to number 18, Luna Flair, a seven-year-old mare by Fiorente, who himself won the Melbourne Cup. So she's got the breeding on her side. I just love this mare, Grace, and she's really the one that I would like to see win from, from the field. Um, she's been running really well in their last couple of starts, a great win in the Bart Cummings over 2,500 metres, and then a strong second to Francisco Guardi just over a week ago in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup. In with a lightweight as well. What do you think of her chances? So she's in with a lightweight here because she won her golden ticket into the Melbourne Cup through that Bart Cummings victory that you mentioned two starts ago. When you win a race like that, you secure your place in the race with whatever weight you've got. So great training um, and placement from Graham Begg, her trainer, to get her in this race in amazing form, but with only 51 and a half kilos. Like she would deserve to have sort of a, a higher weight than that, given how well she's going. So Big ticks from that perspective. Mick D keeps winning. He won the Derby on Saturday, the jockey. He also won the Caulfield Cup aboard Durston. So another jockey that's in absolutely fine form. Uh, really, I can't say anything negative about Luna Flair at all because she will stay. She loves wet tracks. She's got the miles in her legs. She's been racing well and consistently for, um, you know, going back to the end of August. So she's got to be a key Melbourne Cup contender. Would not surprise to see her win at all, Fee. Now on to number 19, Smoke and Romans. He was the favourite in the Caulfield Cup, but just had a bit of a flat spot after two good wins leading into it. What do you think about him going out to the 3,200 metres, Grace? I don't know, Fee. I just don't know about Smoke and Romans. He won a Group 1 Turnbull Stakes two starts ago, and everyone's like, well, he's just going to win the Caulfield Cup now. And then he was very disappointing. I know a lot of people are saying he was unlucky, but I just expected a lot more from from Smoke and Romans that day in the Caulfield Cup when he started at a $3.90 favourite. He wasn't necessarily that strong to the end of the 2,400 metres. And he has won a Pakenham Cup at listed level over 2,500 metres. But, yeah, not loving that last start from Smoke and Romans, not loving that as a lead-up 
to now suggest he's a winning chance in a 3,200-metre Melbourne Cup. And on to Charlie Rose, a six-year-old Baymere Kiwi bred by Tavistock once again, ran ninth in the Cup last year, trained by Simon Wilde at Warrnambool. Dean Yendall aboard with 51.5 kilos and barrier 22. What do we think about this mare, Grace? Really hard to know, Fee, because she's definitely not had a good Melbourne Cup preparation this spring. She's definitely got great staying ability. Like she, 3,200 metres shouldn't be a problem for her, but she's just had a mixed campaign where she had two runs and then she was given like two months off and then she came back in the, in the Caulfield Cup and she wasn't great there like she didn't really catch the eye at all in the Caulfield Cup she finished 13th there so it would very much surprise to see Charlie Rose win the Melbourne Cup and that's not because she's not a good horse but it's just because she hasn't had the right platform into this race also never run on the heavy before so that could be a real challenge for her on Tuesday now number 21 point Nepean has been scratched I understand Grace as we yes this is Yes, this is breaking news, Fee. So Point Nepean has been scratched from the race. So we will only have 23 runners this year. Uh, Point Nepean was scratched because they took his bloods, as is very common with all racehorses, to take regular bloods and have a look at what's happening internally. And they weren't happy with his blood picture. Maybe they sense that he's got a little bit of a virus or, you know, just feeling a little bit sick. So they're not going to take the risk. They're going to save him for another day. Point Nepean has been scratched from the Melbourne Cup. Number 22 next, high emotion. A Kiwi Mare by Ocean Park. Coming into this race with a bit of form, having won the Bendigo Cup at Group 3 over 2,400 metres on a heavy track, trained by Kieran Ma and David Eustace with Tia Nugent aboard with 50 kilos. What do you think about high emotion, Grace? Well, of all of the Melbourne Cup lead-up races, being the Bart Cummings, you know, the Lexus Archer that we saw on Saturday, the Geelong Cup, the Caulfield Cup, of course, I think the Bendigo Cup is probably the one that's got least relevance historically about Melbourne Cup winners. So it's sort of the weakest of those lead-up races. She did win and she started a short price favourite there. She was expected to win. So she's going well. Like she's in good order. She finished six, only beaten a length behind Luna Flair in the Bart Cummings, which is another key lead-up race which we've already spoken about. But I just don't think that she is necessarily good enough to be winning a Melbourne Cup. She's very consistent and she keeps running good races, but I think there might be others that have just got more class and are better than her over the concluding stages. Now we move on to number 23, Interpretation. A five-year-old entire trained by Kiramara and David Eustace again with Craig Newitt aboard at 50 kilos. How do you think he is going, Grace? Well, it's sort of hard to know, but on face value, this is only his first Australian preparation. So, you know, how good is he? Maybe we haven't seen it yet. But on face value, what he's shown us has been really disappointing for Mm -hmm. mine because he ran a great race uh, on his Australian debut back in July of this year. Um, but then since then, he sort of started well in the market, but hasn't really done a great deal. Um, you know, he might have been flattered on a couple of occasions. So for me, I just I can't see interpretation winning the race. But right trainers and also the owners, um, you know, they always seem to buy the right horses. They buy plenty of imports and they know what they're looking for. So maybe we haven't seen the best of interpretation yet. 50 kilograms helps, no doubt about that. But yeah, there's just maybe a couple of others that I think are better winning chances. And our last horse lining up, number 24, it's Realm of Flowers, a mere by So You Think, trained by Anthony and Sam Friedman, Damien Thornton aboard 50 kilos, barrier five. What do we think about this mare, Grace? Well, there's just something about this mare. There's just something about her and she's definitely one that we can see how she's performed because she's had 23 starts. She's won five races and finished second or third another seven times. Very consistent. But even still, Fee, I still think that we haven't seen the best of her because she keeps finding bad luck in her races. I suppose she's actually been a hard horse to catch because she's shown so much ability and yet she doesn't necessarily win because she finds bad luck. If she doesn't find bad luck on Tuesday, um, 
I think she's actually got a great winning chance. The things we like about Realm of Flowers are that she absolutely loves staying distances. Um, she's by So You Think. She won a race called the Andrew Ramsden over 2,800 metres on a soft seven track where she beat Grand Promenade that day, who races in this race as well. That was back in May of last year. And she won that so easily by five lengths, basically, off a fast tempo. So she just loves to stay. She's got so much stamina on her side. She also absolutely loves soft and heavy tracks. The wetter, the better for Realm of Flowers. So two big ticks there. 50 kilograms is enormous for her. You know, like that's such a light weight. She should be able to skip through the ground. And she comes here fourth up, having run a narrow third, an unlucky third, in the Metropolitan, a group one level, which isn't generally the strongest race. It's a group one by name, not by nature. But that's over 2,400 metres on a heavy eight track in Sydney. So she's got great form leading in every start. She's been getting better. She's been getting to her target race. And now she gets in with 50 kilos on a wet track out to 3,200 metres. I think she's got a great winning chance. And just one for the Omen betters, Barrier 5 has been the most successful barrier in Melbourne Cup history, producing eight winners. So she's got the right wow. as well in terms of statistics. So, yeah, looking good for Rama Flowers with her lightweight too. Well, Grace, that is our 24 runners. So we've gone through every horse that's taking their place. Whatever horse you've pulled out of the workplace sweepstakes, you now know what their ticks are and what some of their crosses are. And good luck to everyone in their workplace sweepstakes and those uh, having a punt as well. Who's Who are making up your top four, Grace? Okay. <clears throat> okay, so my top four horses in the Melbourne Cup this year is Doville Legend, Montefilia, Gold Trip, the horse we spoke about at the start with the top weight, and also the one that we just spoke about with the lightest weight, Realm of Flowers. So that's my top four feet. What about you? I don't know if I've got a top four. I definitely like Montefilia, um, but I would love to see Luna Flair take it out. That's the one I'm, yeah. I'm hoping wins, but I think Montefilia is coming in with, with the form. Uh-huh. Well, Grace, we've gone through them all, all 24 runners, well, 23 now with Point Nepean being scratched this morning. Um, it's going to be a fabulous race, as always, under very testing conditions on a heavy track. But hopefully we have given everyone a good little look into each and every horse and had a bit of fun with our Melbourne Cup fun facts at the top of the program. Now, the horses lining up in the Melbourne Cup, this is their grand final race. And this is actually our grand final too, Grace. This is our last episode for 2022. And I just wanted to say a big thank you to our listeners and community for Ladies Who Punt. This was an idea that we had at the start of the year. And I really can't believe the support we've seen through 2022, getting this up and running. What are your thoughts on our first year on the mic, Grace? It has been absolutely amazing, Fee, and you're right. Like we had this idea and we wanted to see how it would go. We thought that we had an audience that might benefit from the decoding of racing each topic at a time, but you're right. The people that have reached out to us, you know, the countless people that have reached out to us to say how much they're loving the podcast, how much they're learning, which is the whole point of what we're trying to do and how much now they're better engaging and and enjoying the sport of horse racing. The amount of people that have said that to us has just been remarkable and it's been such a privilege and an honour to be part of something so fun and something that's giving back to the the people that we're intending it to get to. So it's been so good for you. Cannot wait to see what 2023 holds. Yeah, we've got a few months of planning uh, before we're back on the mics in January 2023, and and we're hoping that we'll be able to take LWP to the next level next year. But, yeah, big thanks to our community and our listeners. You know, without your feedback and you tuning in every week, you know, that's what keeps us going, doing this podcast. It's been so great. We've had fabulous guests this year. We've had two fabulous race day meetups. So we'll be looking at doing a few more events next year. And and yeah, like I said, taking ladies who punt to the next level. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Hopefully you've enjoyed our Melbourne Cup special and we will be catching you in 2023. We will be having reruns for the rest of the year. So you will still have a fresh episode in your feed every week but keep enjoying your racing have a great summer great christmas great new years and we will be catching you very soon